All right, welcome back everyone. And again, uh, we are so excited to be able to have this Easter morning with you today. And I know, um, like I mentioned earlier, Easter looks different this year. And if you've been to Palmerano Christian Church for Easter in the past, then you know I know that I'm missing the opportunity to um, say hi to all of you face to face, have the opportunity to eat pigs in a blanket and have the brunch outside. Uh, missing the opportunity to take like our annual Easter photo outside by the stones and the rocks out in the front. Um, but what's amazing is that God's presence is something where uh, God is pushing us and thrusting us into the book of Acts in which we are being spread out. But just because we aren't meeting together doesn't mean we can't worship together. Just because we're social distancing doesn't mean that uh, we are social isolating. And just because we can't see one another now doesn't mean that God doesn't see you and loves you. And I'm excited to be able to have this time with you from my home to yours uh, as we dive into um, our Easter message today. Now, before we do, I'll just ask that you would join me in a word of prayer as we dive in and we get ready for what God has for each and every one of us. And before uh, even we pray, if, if you're joining us and you're a guest and you're new to church and wouldn't normally come to church again, thank you for being here. And we're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to scare you. But we do ask before our services, our sermons, I, I always pray that God would speak in and through me and, and that God would know what you need to hear in the same way he knows what I need to hear and that he would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way in your life today. So will you join me in a word of prayer for this morning's service? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us now. Lord, we are behind closed doors, but you are still moving and working, and we are grateful for that. Lord, I pray that you would meet each and every person wherever they are um, physically. May you reach them now and meet them now wherever they are in their relationship with you, whether they have come to know you for years and are following you, whether they knew you for a while and are coming back, whether they're mad at you and they're just hoping that somewhere on Easter morning they can hear a message of hope and peace, God or wherever it may be, I pray that you would speak through me in a personal, powerful, impactful way. May I decrease, may you increase, and may you reveal to all of us what you want to share with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so our sermon again is being through John chapter 20, and the sermon is called Behind Closed Doors. And the reason we're calling it that is that, as you all know, we are all behind closed doors these days. Uh, we may go out for um, grocery shopping and a few small things, but for the most part, we are all behind closed doors. And, and it reminds us of what happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus, the, the man who was fully God and fully man, the, the only son of God who came down and he lived a perfect life and he died a horrible death. And what we're celebrating today is how he rose to new life so you and I can have eternal life with the Father. But we kind of talk about Good Friday, and Pastor Dan did a fantastic job uh, on Friday night being able to share with us um, just the idea of how Good Friday in and of itself, what happened wasn't good as an adjective, but that God is good. His character is morally righteous and just, and he is good even when things around us are not. And so we pick up the story from Good Friday here to Easter Sunday, and in the Easter story, what we see is how the disciples were behind closed doors for fear. And we are behind closed doors now for fear of the virus, for fear of either catching it or, or unknowingly spreading it to one another. And so we're, we're doing our due diligence here. 
But with that being said, it's we're behind closed doors. But the main point, and, and if you're newer with us, I like main points. You can write them down. You can not write them down. I won't know the difference. But um, it just humor me when we have these main points we want to share is that for today, our main point is that because of the open tomb, God does some of his best work behind closed doors. Because of the open tomb, the open tomb referring to where Jesus' body was buried on Good Friday, and then on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, he was not there. He was risen, and the angels shared that with the women and, and the disciples. But we see that that open tomb, and, and, and sidebar, the open tomb wasn't there because Jesus didn't know how to get out, right? Like, it's not like he raised from the dead and then had to, like, knock and hope that someone opened it. The, the open tomb was so that the disciples could see, that the women could see that he was not there, he was risen. And, but even though they knew that and they found out, they didn't know what was going on. And, and we pick up our story from John chapter 20 and verses 19 through 23. And we see how we pick it up where the, the disciples are behind closed doors out of fear. So we're going to talk about two different options or two different ideas of closed doors today. Uh, the first one um, is this idea of a closed door that is out of fear. So when the when the door of our lives or of our hearts, when the door is closed out of fear, Jesus enters and he meets with us. When the door is closed out of fear, Jesus enters and he meets with us. I want to pick up the story reading verses 19 through 20 from John chapter 20. It says this, on the evening of that first day of the week, so this is the evening of Easter Sunday, when the disciples were together, the disciples, again, are just followers of Jesus. And, and this is written by one of the disciples. The Gospel of John is, is Jesus's biography, a personal biography from one of his closest friends and closest uh, followers. His name is John. So it says the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. You know, as I look at just this section, there's a couple of uh, words, two specific words I really want to um, emphasize a little bit. And so the first one is this idea of, of fear, the word of fear. So as we see here, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. So we just read that. But I want to take it um, just a little bit more and emphasize the word fear here. And so this word fear uh, is the word um, in the Greek called phobos. And if that sounds familiar to you, it's because it's the word where we get, or it's sorry, it's the root word where we get the idea of phobias, of, of fears. And, and the word phobos... Um, doesn't just mean like you're afraid of something. It's it's kind of this idea of, of panic or flight. Like when you're afraid of something to the point where you just want to run away. And, and this is the description of the disciples. They were so afraid of the Jewish people who were the ones that had organized the trial um, that had um, caused Jesus to, to be crucified by the Romans. And they were afraid, the disciples, his followers, were afraid that the same thing would happen to them. And they were filled with phobos. That the, that the Jews would come after them, the Jewish people would, would come after them as well. But again, this idea of phobia, so you probably uh, may have some phobias. I'm just going to share a few of uh, common ones 
uh, with you right here. So the first one is, is acrophobia, uh, the fear of heights. If you zoom in or if you uh, at least look closely in the picture and you just notice how there's just, you know, just two feet over the edge of a building, if that causes your heart to, to flutter a little bit out of fear, I, I understand. So there's acrophobia, there's the fear of heights. Claustrophobia, uh, the fear of small spaces. We have arachnophobia, the fear of spiders. We all know about that one. These are nice little fake spiders. We didn't want to actually scare anyone uh, today. Um, but then most recently, or more recently, in the light of uh, COVID-19 and the coronavirus and, and the idea of needing to make sure we're not spreading or catching anything, some of us uh, may be experiencing more germophobia, the idea of wiping things down, which is a good thing. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we're washing our hands and that we're keeping social distancing, which... Um, Again, germophobia helps us with washing hands, but for some of us, you look at this picture here, agoraphobia, the fear of entering open or crowded places. And if you can't tell, um, these are just people who are like shoulder to shoulder. Uh, my daughter earlier thought that um, from where she was looking that it looked like it was um, like all the pink shirts, like they were uh, like, like uh, what is it? Like frosting and like all the heads were like little candy. So it's not that. It's uh, the idea of these are all uh, people and they're most certainly not socially distancing right now. Like I'm like, wow, they are very close. Um, and so we have all these different things of different phobias and, and all of these ones are, are, a lot of people feel them and they're real. Uh, there's a fear that, you know, I think that some of us have, if we could speak a little locally um, as well, that when it comes to, to, Baseball. I'm a San Francisco Giants fan, grew up in the Bay Area. So as a San Francisco Giants fan, uh, living in San Diego Padres territory, um, I think we can all agree uh, that we might have a little bit of a degree of um, adiatophobia. Adiatophobia, you may not have heard of it, you may not know what it is, but it's the fear that the Los Angeles Dodgers will actually win a World Series, which they haven't since 1988. So Adiatophobia would be the fear that the Dodgers will finally break that hump or get over that hump and break that curse, but I think we're fine. Don't worry about it. But with that said, this idea of these different types of fear, and I know some of my friends who like the Dodgers, I'm sorry, but also not sorry. Anyways, so we have this idea of different phobias, different fears that we have, and this is the kind of fear that the disciples, his followers, were experiencing. But that's not where the story ends, and, and that's important for us to hear that the story of fear is not where our story ends when we believe and we receive who Jesus is and the power of the resurrection, the power of the open tomb. That because of the open tomb, God does some of his best work behind closed doors, including this door of Phobos, this door of fear. And it's a message that's applicable for us because the next part in verse 19 that I want to point to is that Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And for those of us who just hear the word peace uh, nowadays in our culture, it's simply maybe the absence of conflict. Um, maybe if you have kids at home right now and you are trying to navigate working and, and homeschooling and just trying to get things done. And sometimes you just want some peace and some quiet and you're feeling like, okay, I just... Sometimes they just, we just have them watch on the iPad and just give some space. Maybe it's a piece that's an absence of conflict within a family relationship. And uh, maybe it's a piece of a, of a lack of conflict with a coworker or a classmate. But this idea of peace, Jesus didn't come here just to remove conflict in our lives. But what he came here to do was um, bring us back to this idea of being completely free from worry. That the Greek word there, irene, I believe, um, I think I pronounce it, but it's this idea of peace that's not just this 
absence of conflict, but it's a callback to this Hebrew word shalom, this Hebrew word that points to peace as being a well-being, that all is well with you, mind, body, soul, this idea of you are completely free of worry. And so in this season, as we are behind closed doors and we're thinking about maybe we have fear of phobos, a fear of the coronavirus, of either getting sick or having loved ones get sick. If we're experiencing fear, Jesus comes right through the door. The door was locked. Jesus walked right in anyways because he meets us in our fears, that we cast our anxieties upon God and he cares for us, that we could come to him with prayer and thanksgiving and give our requests to God and he could give us a peace that transcends all understanding. And if you're afraid of the virus, Jesus wants to meet you right here behind the closed door of your home and to meet you in your living room or your office or wherever you're watching this today. He wants to meet you right where you are to say, be not be afraid, do not be afraid, peace be with you. If you're afraid of the economy and how finances are gonna be affected by this, we remember that God is the one who, who gives us our daily bread. We don't get all that we want, but we do know that he is with us and, and that he cares for the birds. And Jesus, in one of his stories he shares, is how God cares for the sparrows and the birds and he provides food for them. How much more can he meet our needs? How much more valuable are we to him than the sparrows? Jesus meets you in the midst of that fear. Maybe Jesus meets you right now because you're just feeling really alone. You're, you're wrestling with the loss of a loved one. You're wrestling with the loss of a relationship with a loved one. They're still alive, but you haven't talked in a while. Maybe this whole time of being behind closed doors has caused us to reevaluate that maybe we don't always like the people we are. And maybe that's why sometimes we're alone. And if you're afraid that you're alone, when we believe in the power of the open tomb, guys, we are not alone anymore. That Jesus says that we are to go out and that um, to make disciples and to baptize people. He says, Matthew 28, verse 20 says, and listen, I will be with you. I'll be with you. Joshua 1, 9 talks about how we need not be discouraged or terrified, but to be strong and courageous for the Lord our God is with us. That we are never alone when we believe in the power of the open tomb and how that transforms our lives. So when we understand the power of the open tomb, that Jesus conquered death, and now death has no more hold on us, that when we die, yes, we will no longer be here on earth, but we will have eternity with the Father in heaven because of Jesus made a way where there was no way. And that his love was stronger than horizons, or wider than horizons, and that we want to have his heart in our lives. And so some of us are underneath the door, behind the, the closed door of fear today. And when that's where we are, Jesus comes right in. He doesn't wait, he doesn't knock, he doesn't um, you know, wait for us to come in. He wants to meet us in our fear in the same way that when my girls in the middle of the night call out to me because they're having a bad dream. I don't stand at the door, knock and say, are you sure you're having a bad dream? Do you need anything or what's going on? No, no, when they call, I just go right into that door because the heart of the father when someone is afraid is to go right in and to comfort our children. 
and how deep the love of the Father has been lavished upon us. I love that word lavished, how God lavishes his love upon us, that we might be called children of God. John, who wrote, was the disciple, the follower who wrote this book, wrote those words in one of his other letters from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, that we have been called children of God. And if we believe in the power of the open tomb and we confess that Jesus is Lord and we believe it in our hearts, then we are now co-heirs with Christ and children of God. That is what you are. And if you're not there yet, that's what you can be today, a child of God. But there's another kind of idea that maybe you're not at that point yet. You don't want to find out about Jesus. You're, you're, you're coming here and you clicked on a link or you're being invited by a friend. You figure you check it out, but you're waiting for that first reason to click off if you haven't already. Um, and so if you haven't already, then maybe you're someone who's has this other kind of closed door in your life. It's the, when the door is closed to Jesus, to having a relationship with him altogether, just the door is closed to him. He knocks and then he invites us to meet with him. He, he doesn't just barge in into your heart and force you or force me to love him. He invites us into relationship. He stands at the door and knocks and he says, I will be with you. I would love to spend this time with you. I would love to have relationship with you. Here's how we see it in Revelation chapter three. Again, John who wrote this, wrote the book of Revelation. He says it this way. These are the words of Christ speaking to a church in Laodicea. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. But this is more than just standing at the door and knocking and, and you know, saying, hi, how you doing? This, I don't know if I've heard a comedian. I wish I can remember who it was right now. But they talked about how when, when generations ago, a couple generations ago, Whenever someone knocked on the door of our house, people got go running over and like open the door and welcome people, whether it's a neighbor or, or a friend. My house was the house where we lived on a court we had a, and I had a, a, a cul-de-sac and I had a basketball hoop. So people knock on the door and it was time to play. So we were ready for it. We were excited about it. And then the comedian talks about how nowadays though, uh, if someone knocks on the door, like parents, we, like, Shh. we don't want anyone to know that we're home <laughs> and we hide and we kind of look through the peephole and you know, half the time it's just Amazon delivering something, which is great, but you know, we still have this moment of fear uh, when it comes to knocking on the door. But when your door in your life, maybe you knew someone who was a Christian and um, hurt you, and, and whether it's emotionally or physically or what have you, and again, I'm sorry, I apologize, I don't know your story, and I know that Christians, sometimes we don't always embody the love of Christ the, way that, the best way that we can. But I also know that maybe you came to know Jesus years ago when you were a kid, and then maybe you got to a point where God did something or something happened in your life that you didn't understand and you didn't like, and it hurt you. And so you said, this is the kind of God that, that Jesus represents and who Jesus is. I don't want anything to do with it. So the door of your life and of your heart has been closed to faith. And if that's you, Jesus doesn't barge in. He knocks on the door and he says, listen, I'll eat with you. I'll spend time with you and, and eating in the, in the Bible. It's when you invite someone to your home, it's much more than just the exchange of food. It's fellowship. It's relationship that when social distancing is, is done and when families are able to come together, how beautiful would it be that we have more people sitting at our table, eating together and having relationship with one another that Jesus knocks and he invites us 
to come and to meet with him, to know him and to have relationship with him. But this invitation, what, what's, what's the reason for it? Again, many of us might feel like we're doing pretty well on our own. We're not as bad as other people. We, we overall are doing pretty well. I mean, we don't, we, we, we might lie, we might hurt people emotionally. We might not be perfect, but we don't kill, we don't uh, destroy people. We don't, you know, we don't do these horrible things. But the truth is, is that all of us, all of us, if we're being honest, know that at some point in our lives, things are not the way they should be. And, and no, I don't just mean uh, with the coronavirus and how, you know, this should be different. I just mean in general, we know that we pursue possessions to have as many things as we could own and thinking that he or she who dies with the most toys, the most things, the most amount of stuff wins. So we pursue possessions, but we realize that when we pursue possessions, that our possessions end up possessing or owning us. Maybe for some of us, we, we pursue being productive or, or performance and doing really well and getting out of boys and out of girls. And for some of us that are struggling with that, we, when we aren't working uh, right now, or maybe we're not in a place where we're able to have that experience, we don't have out of boys or we don't have rather the performance of doing a good job. We don't have the, the, the green marks, the gold stars, the A pluses. We, we don't know what to do with ourselves because if, we are what we do, and now we can't do what we've always done, then who are we? And then for some of us, maybe we've pursued popularity. Not, not like peer pressure back when we were kids, maybe for some of us still, but the idea of popularity and wanting to be approved of so badly that we'll pursue what we think other people want us to be or who they want us to be without seeing who God's made us to be. And, and so at the door of your heart is, is, has been closed to Jesus, then what's this relationship? What's this invitation about? And if you will just give me just a few minutes left in this message today, what I want to do is just share with you the, the story of salvation. That some of you have never heard this. That I, I've been reading recently how Generation Z, uh, which is um, people, kids who could remember uh, where they were during um, 9-11. So kind of born kind of that late 90s time all the way up to about 2015-ish roughly um when they think about that's what defines generation z generation z is the first generation that's living in truly post-christian culture here that not everyone knows the story so give me a couple minutes today and, and i want to share it with you the story of salvation starts off with this idea as simple as that god loves us that he created us in the very beginning that adam and eve that he God breathed life and he formed us in his image and he loves us. He loved us from the very beginning. And the creation when all was well and we experienced that, or people experienced that shalom, that wholeness of life I referred to earlier, uh, the word of peace, that there was a right relationship with God and there were right relationships uh, between Adam and Eve and the people um, of Adam and Eve. And so right relationship with God, right relationship with one another, God loves us and all was well in the beginning. But what we see here is that the second part is that we blew it. We blew it. And no, I don't mean that you watching this were the cause of all sin, but because Adam and Eve sinned, because Eve took the apple, um, regardless of the, of the, from the tree of the knowledge of the garden of good and evil, and because he she took the apple and because Adam, who was there and should have stopped her, but did not. So it's not all Eve's fault. We can't blame Eve. So we can't blame 
um, blame her. We got to say Adam didn't step up as a leader and maybe sidebar, maybe for some of us uh, husbands right now, we need to step up as leaders and lead our wives towards the Lord and to follow his words. Anyways, sidebar, that was free of charge. Not that this costs anything anyways. Anyways, um, because they sinned, we blew it. And now we have the sin that, that the sinful nature inside of us that we, we want to be people who do the right thing, but we know deep down that we don't always. One of Jesus' most famous followers, uh, after he died, Jesus revealed himself to this man named Saul who became Paul. And, and Paul in the book of Romans talks about how the good things that I want to do, I do not do them. But the evil that I do not want to keep doing, this I keep on doing. And I think that's the cry, or that's the echo of something I've said many times. That I can echo that statement. That there are times I want to do the right thing, and I don't. And there's times when I, don't, I do the wrong thing, even though I know I shouldn't. We blew it. We had perfect relationship with God. We had perfect relationship with each other, with people. And we blew it. And if we ended our story there, that would be the story of fear, the story of Phobos, the story of we cannot do this. And now we have to live in the ramifications of our sinfulness, our brokenness, and the wrong things that we do and the right things that we don't do. And to live with that. But that's not the end of the story in the same way that in John 20, the fear isn't the end of the story. It's when Jesus comes in and he says, peace be with you. I'm sending you out. Go and receive the Holy Spirit. Because the power of the open tomb, of the resurrection of Jesus, is that the wages of sin is death. If we reap sin, we, get, we will earn death. But Jesus paid for it. Jesus paid the price that neither you or I can pay for our sins to be forgiven. And it's because God, Jesus was fully God, so he knew no sin. And yet he took upon the sinfulness of the world so that he, on the cross on Good Friday when he died, the wrath because of sinfulness, if God is just, he has to be angry at wrongdoing, right? And so because of that, all the anger and the wrath God had because of all of the sin throughout the world, past, present, future, was poured out upon Jesus and he was separated from God, which is why he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because for the first time in his existence, Jesus was separated from relationship with the Father. And Jesus paid for our sin on that day and the check cleared on Sunday morning. The power of the open tomb shows us that the bad news of Good Friday is what makes the good news of Easter Sunday so good. We don't have to pay for our sins because Jesus did. And we need to do one more step, though, because, again, that isn't even the end of the story. Because Jesus died for everyone's sins, but there are some of you watching right now who have never received him. You, you've never decided that this sacrifice that Jesus made and the love that he has for you, you've never decided that that was for you to receive. And so by receiving him, what does that mean? means that we ask Jesus to be the leader of our lives, the Lord of our lives, the Savior for our sins. It means we recognize that we cannot do this any longer on our own power, on our own strength. That you think about how much this world has changed in the past month. And we once thought we were so invincible. We thought that we were able to, our affluence would be able to protect us from things like this. We thought that you know we had it all together and something like this turns the world upside down and helps us to see that we need people, 
right? We need to connect with one another. We need to recreate the shalom with others. But we need God. And so some of you are watching this for the that you wouldn't, we weren't planning on going to an Easter service a month and a half ago, but you're looking for something. In fact, you're looking for someone that could give peace in the midst of fear, that could give hope in the midst of despair, who can give light in the midst of darkness, and who could bring life out of death. And how do you receive him? You confess in your heart, I believe Jesus died for me, and I'm going to give my life to him. I surrender all, and all to him I give. And you say it with your mouth. You confess with your heart, and you believe, or you confess with your mouth, excuse me, and you believe in your heart, and you will be saved. Paul wrote that in the book of Romans as well. And so it's amazing to think about how in this season, God is still working behind closed doors. If you're with fear, he's coming in and he's meeting you like the heart of a father would with a son or a daughter who's afraid. But if you're, you've closed your door to Jesus, your life to Jesus, then you might be in a place where you are, um, that he's standing at the door and he's knocking on your heart right now. And what I would like to do uh, in this moment is to be able to share with you a story that we have um, from one of our very own, uh, one of our uh, kids within our kids' ministry. His name's Kyle Clark. And um, last Sunday, uh, his mom had shared that he was interested in getting baptized. And uh, Mary, our children's director, worked with him through one of our classes this week to explain what baptism is, what does salvation mean, what does baptism mean. Um, And... The baptism is the idea of dying to our old selves and being raised to new life. And so what I want you to do is uh, we were able to um, be able to baptize Kyle uh, just recently. And so uh, will you take just a couple of moments to be able to um, watch this video, to hear what was stirring in Kyle's heart, and then to be able to um, celebrate uh, with us as we get to celebrate um, his baptism. So go ahead and watch the baptism of Kyle Clark. Well, everyone, happy Easter, and we are so excited to be here today and to be able to baptize Kyle Clark. And so um, he had a couple of things that he wanted to share. And so, Kyle, if you would like to go ahead and look at the camera, we've got some friends here who are watching. Uh, Kyle, why don't you go ahead and share a little bit about why you're making this decision today? Last Friday, I was watching a movie with my family, and there was a baptism. The night, that night in bed, I felt a warm, fuzzy feeling that I should get baptized as soon as possible. I realized this was not the best timing, but Miss Mary and Pastor JP were ready and willing to make it possible. I've been thinking about this for the past two years, and now that I better understand just how much God loves me and the sacrifice Jesus made for me by dying on the cross for my sins, I just knew I had to be Uh, I just knew I had to become a part of God's eternal family. Awesome. Let me go ahead and take that for you. So as you can see, uh, Kyle was able to watch a movie, be able to feel that conviction and that warm, fuzzy feeling to get baptized. And so we are so excited to have an Easter baptism that even though the coronavirus is stopping us from meeting together, it has not stopped us from seeing how God is working and changing lives. And we get to exhibit that here with Kyle today. So Kyle. I have a question for you. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and do you accept him as your personal Lord and Savior? I do. 
Awesome. Praise God. Go and plug your nose for me, okay? Upon that confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be buried with Christ and rise to new life. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys so much. Wasn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing to see just a, a young man just standing up and saying he wanted to get baptized and he wanted to get baptized as soon as possible because that they got that tingly feeling and it felt like a new man to be able to make that decision for Christ and to follow him and to display that inner belief that he had through the outer action of baptism. What you don't necessarily see in that video is that uh, during in one of the corners there we had my laptop set up, set up and we had um, a Zoom meeting going and we had, I don't know, a dozen, couple dozen people who were cheering for him and celebrating with him so that baptism is still a communal event to celebrate a personal decision to follow Jesus. And Kyle sets an example for a lot of us today. He sets the example that God and the power of the open tomb of Resurrection Sunday, of Easter Sunday, that because of the power of the open tomb, God does some of his best work behind closed doors, whether it's the door of fear or the door of being closed off to Jesus, but God can still work and we can respond to him even now. So for some of you today, as you see that, you might decide that you want to receive Jesus for the very first time in your life. You've heard about him, maybe disagreed with people who follow him, maybe unsure what that looks like, but if the message of peace in the midst of fear, in the message of hope, in the midst of despair, in the message of light, in the midst of darkness, and in the, if the message of life in the midst of death is a message that appeals to you, calls to you, and speaks to you, then you can pray this prayer that you would just say, Dear Jesus, I know and I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I know I don't deserve it, but I surrender all to you. I love you and I give everything to you. Thank you for dying on the cross and thank you for rising again so I can have eternal life. And if you prayed that prayer right now, man, that is so exciting. Let us know in the chat or let us know uh, by clicking on the prayer button on the top of the link and being able to follow along and, and let us know that you prayed that prayer so we can follow up with you. Some of you though, Maybe you've already given your life to the Lord, or maybe those of you who just decided to surrender your life to Jesus, to receive that peace in the midst of fear, maybe you decide, I want to I want to follow Kyle's example. I want to get baptized. Write that, go to the prayer request thing on the top as well, and let us know, I want to get baptized in that same note, or, or put it in the chat right now, and we'll follow up with you. So there's some things that maybe some of you are still holding on to fear, and you decide, okay, I'm not going to hold on to fear anymore. Um, it's still right for us to be cautious. Um, as you hear the experts saying, things may very well get worse before they get better in regards to this virus. But the truth is we need to be cautious, but we don't need to be anxious. We need to be prepared, but we don't need to be filled with phobos, with fear. We, we need to be aware that God loves us so much. He loves you so much that he's going to work behind the closed doors of your life so you can see who he truly is because of the power of the open tomb. I just want to close, um, I want to close with a word of prayer 
and then we'll have a moment to take our communion together. Father, again, I thank you so much for this day, that on April 12th, 2020, that lives are being changed. Those who are listening and watching right here at our church, those who are listening and watching at churches all across our city, all across our country, all across our world, are finding about the truth of Jesus, of how much you love them, that we, that you love us, God, that we blew it because of our sin, but that Jesus, you paid for it, and our check was cleared on Easter Sundays, and we must receive you, Lord. May that message permeate across this world, and may it permeate across the screen from one another right now to whoever needs to make that decision. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus coming in and giving us peace in the midst of fear that when we're behind closed doors, he gives us peace and he also invites us to relationship with him. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as we close our Easter service, I want to make sure that we share just one more story with you. And I mentioned earlier that if you um, wanted to get some communion elements, I have my um, buttermilk bread and I have uh, apple juice. I didn't have any grape juice, but I feel like apple juice is like kind of like white grapes. So it's kind of, never mind, doesn't matter. doesn't matter that it's apple juice, but we want to make sure that we have the good elements here. It can't be like Cheez-Its and Mountain Dew, I'm just saying. But with that said, we have juice and we have bread. But I want to share a story with you to close as we have enter into a time of communion. And this is for those of you who are watching that have either just received Jesus, praise God, or you have a relationship with him. If you're still trying, not sure what you believe yet, there's no pressure to do this. But what we do is we want to take this Easter morning and take a couple moments, again, to rejoice in the sacrifice of Jesus and even rejoice all the more for his resurrection. And I want to share a story that Timothy Keller, who's an author, he's a pastor in New York, um, a wonderful author I really love and appreciate. He shares this story in a book called Walking with God uh, Through Pain and Suffering. And he says this, there was a man named Donald Gray Barnhouse. And Donald Gray Barnhouse was a pastor from 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And he had lost his wife um, when his daughter was still very young. And both of them were trying to process how to navigate the loss of, of a beloved wife and a beloved mom. And so one day it shares uh, that as Donald was driving with his daughter in his car, um, there was a moving truck, a moving van that had passed by them. And, and the light was such that the shadow from um, the moving van passed over their car and it blocked out the sun, um, but it passed over their car and they just kept on going. And so uh, in this moment of inspiration, Donald turns to his daughter and says, honey, would you rather be hit by the truck the van or be hit by the shadow of the truck. And she says, well, by the shadow, because the, the, if you actually get hit by that, it doesn't, uh, the shadow won't hurt us at all. Actually getting hit by the truck would. And so Dr. Barnhouse replies, it says, right. If the truck doesn't hit you, but only its shadow, you are fine. Well, it was only the shadow, I'm reading directly, well, it was only the shadow of death that went over your mother. She's actually alive, more alive than we are. And that's because 2,000 years ago, the real truck of death hit Jesus. And because Jesus crushed, or sorry, because death crushed Jesus and we believe in him, now the only thing that could come over us is the shadow of death. And the shadow of death 
is but my entrance in the glory. What does he mean there? He means that when we pass over to the shadow of death, we will experience the glory of God because we believe in Jesus and right relationship with him. And so the cross means that the shadow of death hit Jesus, not us. Or that, excuse me, the cross means that death hit Jesus, not us. And the open tomb means that death has been defeated by Christ. We need not fear, but that his peace would be with us. And he breathes on his new life into us. And so if you have a moment, if you have bread, you can just take the bread that reminds us of his body that was broken, that he said, told his followers the night before he was died. He died. This is my body, represents my body that is broken up for you. So if you would like to take communion to remind us of that, go ahead and take it now. And then Jesus told the disciples that this cup is my, the cup of the new covenant, the new testament that says that, I, that it's my blood that is poured out for your sins. And then we, could, we take it in remembrance of his sacrifice on the cross. So you can take the, the juice together now. Now, what better way for us to close out our Easter service than with the communion to remember his sacrifice and to rejoice in his resurrection. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us today uh, for Easter Sunday. And again, there's plenty of links if you want to stay connected or get connected with us at the church. We're so blessed to be able to worship together today. And if you need anything, know that you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. May the Lord bless you, may he keep you, May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he give you his peace, his shalom. That doesn't just mean the absence of conflict, but it means the presence of God. We love you guys. Thank you so much for coming and joining us. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next Sunday.